Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. From a local business to a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Stripe Tap to Pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Daily Tech News Show is powered by you. To find out more, head to dailytechnewsshow.com slash support. This is the Daily Tech News for Thursday, May 10th, 2018 in Los Angeles. I'm Tom Merritt. And from the shores of Lake Merritt, I'm Justin Robert Young. And ladies and gentlemen, we are sad to say Sarah Lane has the day off, but our producer, Roger Chang, still kicking, still here. I never leave. Stop kicking people. That's Wait, it's becoming an issue. Human resources has been alerted. This <laughs> serves as an official warning. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, hey, folks, uh, we have a fun show full of technological advancements and thorny philosophical issues. So let's Ooh. start with a few tech things you should know. Spotify said it will stop promoting the artist R. Kelly as part of its editorial and algorithmic playlist. Spotify uh, partnered with advocacy groups such as the Southern Poverty Law Center, GLAAD, Muslim Advocates, and the International Network Against Cyber Hate to help inform a a monitoring tool called Spotify Audio Watch to flag hate content. Apple announced it's canceling its project to build a data center in Othenry, Ireland, due to delays in the approval process. Uh, A second data center in Denmark that they kind of kicked off at the same time is almost completed. Opposition in Ireland centered around a strain on the power grid, although Apple kept arguing that it would use renewables, it wouldn't overbuild. Apple did win a court case in the Irish High Court in October, but uncertainty about appeals to the Supreme Court caused the company to just say, you know what, we're just canceling this. I mean, like, you know, you want to know what, guys, we're just going to leave. So we'll expand our office in Cork to make up for it, but we're not doing the data. Yeah. Well, we'll, if you want to find us, we'll be at our tax haven. Korea Fair Trade Commission chief Kim Sang-jo told reporters that Samsung's current ownership structure is not sustainable. Samsung Group uses circular shareholding to interlock Samsung CNT, Samsung Life Insurance and Samsung Electronics. Kim urged Vice Chairman J.Y. Lee to make a decision concerning the ownership structure. That's rumblings. Mm. Going after the cables. Oh, I mean, let's get ready to rumble. Mm, I see. I'm very interested in how that's going to turn out. All right. 
Let's talk about net neutrality. The United States FCC said its repeal of the Open Internet Guidelines of 2015 will officially go into effect June 11th. You may say, Tom, I thought you said they were already published. They were. The order was published in the Federal Register on February 22nd. Usually publishing in the Federal Register makes something go into effect. But it did not go into effect because the Office of Management and Budget needed to complete its Paperwork Reduction Act review. (laughs) I know. The irony is not lost on any of us. The United States Senate, however, is set to vote as early as next week on whether to reject the FCC repeal of the net neutrality rules, even if it passes the Senate, which is going to be tight. It's probably not going to pass the House. Even if it passed the House, it'll probably get vetoed. Um, but those open internet guidelines of 2015 uh, deadline, June 11th. On June 11th, says Ajit Pai, We will have a framework in place that encourages innovation and investment in our nation's network so that all Americans, no matter where they live, can have access to better, cheaper, and faster internet access and the jobs, opportunities, and platform for free expression that it provides. So starting June 11th, Justin, those speeds are going to start going up, according to Ajit Pai. Well, on average, they probably will still go up, right? (laughs) Who knows exactly how much that will have to do with... Also, uh, starting June 11th, the repeal of these net neutrality guidelines will cause large regions of the country to get warmer and warmer for months. Wow. Are you just looking for emails today? I don't know. (laughs) uh, Yeah. Oh, oh, you're talking about summer. Okay, never mind. No, no, I wasn't... Yeah, you're right. I shouldn't have gone with warmer because that tips off climate change. I just mean, like, it's summer. (laughs) The sun's going to be out. There we go. Summertime and the living's easy. Uh, Look, these are obviously controversial decisions. We won't know exactly how they affect anything until we see what happens happens going through here. But this is something where I believe you should be holding these companies' feet to the fire if if the guidelines that were there before were preventing the unleashed power of our American telcos and internet providers – then congratulations, wild stallions. You can run free on June 11th. We look forward to the vast bounty of innovation. Yep. Let's uh, let's keep an eye on that. You know, I mean, obviously, it's not going to happen June 12th, but yeah. within a year or two, we, sh- we should be able to see effects. Okay. We'll be watching. The U.S. FAA approved 10 of 149 proposals for commercial drone projects. Among the projects are one for medical deliveries by Zipline, which has operated in Rwanda for years, a mosquito control plan in Florida, a partnership with the Choctaw Nation in Oklahoma, and CNN, the food delivery or sorry, food delivery in North Carolina. Proposals for uh, sorry from Amazon and DJI were not accepted. Data from those projects will form the basis of a regulatory framework for future commercial uses. Yeah, it's very tempting to person to anthropomorphize the FAA here and say, uh, "Oh, is the FAA thumbing their nose at Jeff Bezos not yeah. giving Amazon?" And also, I saw a lot of people connecting the dots in North Carolina. I don't think it's the food delivery project. I think there's a separate North Carolina project for mapping. Well, it might be the same project uh, that involves Apple. Apple getting getting in on that. It's not. It wasn't Apple's proposal, but they're cooperating with it. So you know the headlines are reading: Apple gets approved and Amazon doesn't. It's not exactly what's going on, uh, except for the Amazon doesn't. I mean, their their proposal did not get approved. It doesn't mean they'll never get approved. It means they're not one of the first ten to test the waters so the FAA can collect data. This is a great story for Daily Tech News Show listeners because folks who have been listening to this program for long enough understand the idiosyncratic and oftentimes 
uh, uh, incomplete way that the FAA has handled the you know regulatory process of drones. So uh, this is I, I I very much echo your opinion that let's not look. It's not like Ted FAA was like oh I love Apple and I hate Amazon. <laughs> I will sit down on my Apple TV tonight and throw my Fire TV in the trash. That's, yeah, that's not what's going on. <laughs> It's not that, and 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 uh, I would not read much into this beyond the fact the positive step that at least there are licensing for some of these drone projects, and and you know that's been a huge impediment to I think the increased reasonable use of these devices. Yeah, the criticism of the FAA here is that they move too slow, not yeah. that they're being unwise, that they're being over cautious. And I'll be honest, when you're talking about aviation. I think we all prefer them to err on the side of caution. It's just how far 10 out of 149, you could make an argument. Well, that's a really small amount, but again, being overcautious, they're like, let's, let's pick some very representative projects. We've got FedEx working on uh, airport security with the Memphis County airport authority. For instance, that's going to put drones near airplanes. Let's not do too many of those. Let's do one of those. See how that goes. Monitor that. Uh, I think that's a smart approach. May, should they have done 20 or 30 of these? Yeah, maybe, but there there is a line and they set it at 10. And also the FAA, an organization that obviously deals with very, very, very important high stakes businesses. Uh, there could be an argument to say that maybe another branch of the FAA to deal specifically with this kind of more agile uh, uh burgeoning industry would be uh, uh something that could happen but look we have what we have and at least 10 got approved <laughs> yeah and, and and maybe a new branch comes out of the data they collect with these 10 sure Who knows? yeah a report from disrupt africa shows the agritech market in africa grew 110 percent this past year more than 19 million dollars in investments were made in the sector 82 agritech startups were in operation across africa by the start of 2018 52 percent of them launched within the past two years kenya and nigeria are tied as the top two agricultural tech markets ghana's in third they're generally e-commerce like selling buying and selling uh, allowing farmers to to buy equipment stuff like that uh, that makes up about a third of the startups then there's info sharing and some fintech one of the interesting financial tech agricultural startups in africa is livestock wealth which sells shares in cows in south africa and they're calling it crowd farming <laughs> That's amazing. And that's fantastic. So, yes, dairy farmers in the Midwest, you can laugh, but livestock ownership is a big deal in some regions, in some countries. And and so this is this is akin to Bitcoin in a way. Like, ooh, you mean I could I could actually own livestock? That's kind of a status symbol. I mean, sure. Not only is it something that you can hang on your, you know, hang on your wall and, and feel good about yourself, but it's another way that farmers, which are, you know, we're, we are in uncertain times for, for farming, uh, not only abroad, but also here in America. And another way that if, if you can make extra money faster uh, in, in a fairly cyclical, uh, I mean, literally cyclical uh, business uh, market like farmers are in, then 
that's great. I mean, uh, I'm sure that there are plenty of farmers that might be behind on a bill or two that would like to, you know, virtually, sh- you know, sell a share of their cow that they would then pay back, you know, pay dividends on later. That'd be great. Yeah, if I have it right, and I may not, uh, Livestock Wealth actually either operates or works with ranches to say, okay, these are the cows that we will we will sell <laughs> shares of. Uh, and, the, and then they're kind of the middleman on that. And they fund the ranches uh, and collect the money from the investors and then pay it back out when, when, when the cows are turned into beef. Like that's the, that's the deal, right? Uh, their, their tagline on their website is shares are complicated. Cows are easy. <laughs> I, I, I can get over how brilliant this is. It's this kind is of brilliant. Fact. I mean, it sounds funny at first, but people are eating a lot of meat. They certainly are. They certainly yeah. are, Tom. And now you can own a share of it. They're saying uh, they're they're saying they get about twelve point four percent return on investment. I mean that's it's reliable investment. I don't know. What do you think like a financial scandal with the cows would be called? <laughs> like insider milking or Yeah. Yeah. I think that's I think that's good. I'm trying to think <laughs> of a, you know, um a Ponzi scheme pun, but I, I just can't. <laughs> Old McDonald was arraigned today on charges of research <laughs> utter <demanded>. corruption. There, you <laughs> there we go. We got it. We got it. Finally. Researcher Amanda D. Anford at Pennsylvania State University has created a device that can route sound waves around an object, making it invisible to techniques like sonar. Hanford and her team created a metamaterial whose unit cell is smaller than the acoustic wavelengths used to deflect it, the metamaterial could deflect sound waves underwater, which is very difficult. Yeah, they've been able to do a version of this through air, but never through water till now. So, of course, everybody's calling it an invisibility cloak, and then everybody reads the story and is like, but it's sound, that's dumb. It's not dumb. Uh, this, this has definite military uses, right? If you, I'm if you, shocked that we're hearing about it, to be right? honest. Yeah. Like, I'm sure someone at the DOD has contacted uh, <laughs> Professor Hanford and said, hey, uh, maybe come work for us now. Well, or this is something that has been done, right? Yeah. And we don't know Could about it. This is a more commercial application of it. Well, Either way, this is an academic I, application. There's no commercial application oh, here. Sorry. So, yeah. Sorry. yeah. By commercial, I just meant non government. But yeah, uh, uh, absolutely. I think it's it's fascinating. I would love to know more of exactly how this works. Plus, if you want to hide from bats, dress in this metamaterial. Old McDonald on the lamb from his <laughs> utter corruption charges has now hid amongst the bats. He's got his sonar invisibility cloak. Uh yeah, this is this is pretty great stuff and it's and it's just a metal. It's a metamaterial metal. So so again, they make the the unit molecules so small that the sound waves just i mean for lack of a better explanation just slip by it uh that's fascinating to me all right the content of 3519 facebook ads said to have been financed by russia's internet research agency were released by democrats in the house intelligence committee on thursday the ads dated from between 2015 and 2017 and seemed designed to attract people from all sides of emotional issues i think this is the most important part of this release it wasn't 
pointing a finger. It was showing like, hey, were you for gun control or against gun control? Guess what? It doesn't matter. You got targeted by these ads. Immigration, gay rights, the list goes on. Files published Thursday show the text of each ad, the number of impressions, and the number of clicks. Representative Adam Schiff, who was instrumental in getting them released, said, quote, The only way we can begin to inoculate ourselves against a future attack is to see firsthand the types of messages, themes, and imagery the Russians used to divide us. Okay. All right. Um, so where do we start? I, I mean, I know where we want to end because we've got a great Wired story about, like, self-policing your use of tech. Yeah. So where we start, I think, is just short. You know, we, we start with if you've already listened to P3X and you yeah. know the political angle on this and the finger pointing, what can we bipartisan-wise pull out of this as tech users to say, well, hold on. Maybe it wasn't meant to achieve a result other than to make us angry. Is that fair to say or not? I think this very clearly to me, and, and these are this is where all this information has been leading, and, and now we see the ads themselves. Uh, this These ads were designed to do nothing more than try to rev as high and, and engageability uh, of that, that, that they could, right? They were using Facebook's algorithm to see how far they could spread these messages. And I even think that there is beyond the war, the, the mental war games of trying to divide a populace by playing on their political fears. There's also an element of this that I think that we haven't really thought about, which is maybe they just found that the things that engage the most are politics, and this is about trying to spread messages however they can and trying to gather data as uh, you know as much as they can and the method by which they did this was just that politics stuff gets spread further faster by way of playing with with Facebook's rules of engaging liking commenting how long they're staying on and this is what generates all that churn uh, 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 again I think that this was for political games, you know, to to divide us. Uh, but the idea of how they did it is exactly how media's done it. It's exactly how politicians themselves do it. And for Adam Schiff to say, you know, the only way that we can begin to inoculate ourselves against the future attack is to see the firsthand types of messages, themes, and imagery that the Russians use to divide us, then I'm going to take that to mean that he himself or his party or the opposition party will now cease and desist with writing misleading fundraising emails, <laughs> uh, misleading Facebook posts that are there to generate the exact same engagement that the Russians use. Because like, when, when, when fundraising, go look at what fundraising emails, if you don't subscribe to fundraising things, they are what they, this is what the Russians were doing. This is, this is where we are at in, in terms of politics. So, you know, if we want to point at them and say the Russians didn't invent incendiary uh, content to you know, derive political action, they, they learned it from watching us. I, re I really quickly want to go back to the point you made that I think is very important, which is we don't know that they wanted to sway an election. We don't know that they even wanted to make people angry and divided. They may have been happy about that. I always hear that phrase. Data is the new oil. Why did Cambridge Analytica break the terms of service to steal data from Professor Kogan? 
because they wanted the data. What does every AI project say they need more of to make machine learning work better? Data. What is MoviePass banking on to eventually turn the tide of their negative cash flow? It's data. Yeah. That maybe all this is about is like do stuff that gets people to click as much as possible because we want that data. The more data you have, the more things we can do. 100%. And and I I have not really seen that talked about uh, in, in, in a lot of places, but it seems like it makes sense to me. Folks, if you want to get all the tech headlines each day in about five minutes, subscribe to Daily Tech Headlines on the Amazon Echo, Google Home, and as a podcast on Anchor or at dailytechheadlines.com. Now, one positive aspect of Schiff's uh, message was, hey, if you know this stuff is out there and you see examples of it, when now when you see another version of it, if it slips past the net, you may be less likely to fall for it because you know what to look for. Uh, and there's a really good article on uh, Wired today that talks about that. A, a lot of tech companies' attention is now focused on helping you control yourself in what you consume online, how long you spend on your devices. Facebook is doing things like branding political ads, trying to restrict who can buy the political ads. They're doing all kinds of things. Google flat out stopped running ads during Ireland's abortion referendum, uh, political ads anyway. And at Google I.O. this week, uh, we talked about the fact that Google has all these digital well-being initiatives, things like the dashboard that helps you become aware of your usage. Robbie Gonzalez at Wired looked at what research we've actually done on so-called digital well-being and what it says. I want to run through three examples that he cites, uh, Justin. Let's start with the first one. How you act is important, not just the amount of time. And dashboard's great. Uh, knowing how much time you spend is probably going to help you reduce it because you may spend more time than you think. In fact, some studies have showed just that. But Facebook internal research suggests that people who spend time passively consuming information feel worse afterward, whereas people who engage with others experience the opposite feeling. They felt better. Yeah. Uh uh, all right. So, so let's I'm gonna go through all three of these. What's your reaction to that one? Which is the study shows, hey, if you're on, it's not guaranteed, but if you're online talking to people and having interactions, yeah. you probably end up saying, yeah, no, that was fun. I feel good after that. If you're just reading things, you probably end up saying, my life sucks or I'm angry. Yeah, it makes sense to me. I mean, social interaction is a very important part, although you would make the argument that, Sometimes something like uh, uh, Twitter can combine both of those things to the worst possible effect, right? There's there anecdotally, at least, it seems like people are. But are, that's the key here. That's yeah. I'm sorry, I actually jumped up and down there for a second. Yeah. Is this is a study? Like we have a lot of anecdotes. We have no end of anecdotes. People saying, "Well, you know what they need to do," but yeah. you don't. This is this is. One point of data. Granted, we need a lot more, and that's kind of the end point of all of this, is we need a lot more research on the effects this stuff is having. But but it's not as simple as, we'll just put the phone down, right? No. Uh, there's also this Google can turn your apps gray to help you wind down so they're less interesting. Like, oh, it's a gray app. Well, I don't care anymore because it's gray. It looks like a 50s movie, and I'm getting sleepy. Uh, a handful of studies do suggest that warm tones interfere less with your sleep than cool ones. That's why uh, iOS actually does the orange glow at night. But there's similar research lacking on grayscale. We don't know if grayscale does anything. 
Yeah, this is one of those things that I I I, I can't even kind of guess. It uh, makes sense to me. Uh, uh, seems legit. <laughs> All right, let's finish up with the last one. Notifications, right? Everybody's like, oh, notifications. Too many notifications. Notification overload. You got to manage my notifications. Give me more control over notifications. I am guilty of being the guy who says, well, just turn them off. Don't turn on notifications and they won't bug you. But it turns out that is just as bad. Computer scientist Louise Rello of Carnegie Mellon's Human Computer Interaction Institute found that disabling notifications left some test subjects feeling less stressed and more productive during work hours, but more anxious in their off time. So during work, the notifications bugged them and took them out of their zone. But in their off time, they felt like they were missing out. They're like, I don't know what's going on in the world. I got no notifications. Oh my gosh, the stuff happened and I didn't see it. The American Psychology Association's Conference of Technology, Mind, and Society found that test subjects who received their notifications in batches three times a day reported they felt significantly happier, more focused, and less stressed than those who received notifications as usual or not at all. So in other words, the magic balance point here was to get your notifications in bundles at regular intervals. That is fascinating. Uh, uh, all right. Can we, can we do larger points? Uh, yeah, on, yeah, yeah. Let's finish up with some larger points here. All right. Larger points. Number one, I think that this is very much an outgrowth in terms of like Google's, uh, uh, interest in it. Uh, here in Silicon Valley, there are plenty, uh, of, you know, digital detox and summer camps and daybreaker dances wherein, Cutting yourself off from technology is looked at as something that is positive that you are like returning to some, you know, pre-internet world where you are happier. Uh, all these things are, to me, examples of how we are evolving past the idea that we have this ability. And this is, to me, has always been typified by Instagram. The way that we have always thought, people who have grown up with the internet and knew what it was, was before and knew what it was as it was being built have been fascinated by the lengths to which the internet can work for us. Oh my God, uh, photos used to be precious. Now photos can be infinite. I want to save every photo I ever take. There's an Instagram. Look at, I'm going to be so excited to go back and see my first Instagram photo. People who grow up with these tools say, ah, oh, geez, no, 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 no. I want to keep the best 10 photos on my Instagram and delete everything because the permanence is not fascinating to me. And so that's where I see like these notifications before it's like, oh, wait, somebody wants somebody can talk to me right now. As soon as I post something, somebody can say something back. I'm so excited for it. But I wonder whether or not the idea of these like three times a day mail drops are are going to be preferable to people uh, uh, as as we get more of these tools. But that that's the difference to me is. I love the idea of saying, well, that's an interesting finding in a study. It seems like three bundles is the best. Let's do some more study to kind of figure out why that is or if there's some other cause of that, etc. That sounds promising to me versus, hey, we turned your app gray because we think that might help you relax. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, 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 I agree with that. I think that there is a lot of understanding and honesty to be to be frank uh, that we have to uh, be not only with people who take these studies but ourselves in terms of understanding how we interact with this stuff beyond the fact that like i think there's there's a fear that if i let it go it'll go away and and that is to me a symptom of 
a populace that knew a world before it, and even if it's illogical, fears that it'll go away. That it, it, it'll just like you know, oh well, then I won't be into all these things that I'm into. I'm losing these tendrils into these communities. I, I remember relatives when I was very young kind of saying, well, you guys depend too much on electricity, right? Because they'd grown up without <laughs> electricity. How crazy is that? Yeah. Hey, thanks to everybody who participates in our subreddit. You can submit stories and vote on them at dailytechnewsshow.reddit.com and facebook.com slash group slash dailytechnewsshow. couple of mailbags to get to. Uh, Franz, our patron in the Philippines, says, Hey, DTNS crew, yesterday you wondered how Walmart buying Flipkart might benefit from it. Here's my perspective as a JavaScript developer. Ever since the release of progressive web apps, Flipkart has been the poster child for it. Now, Walmart, on the other hand, has been an avid user of JavaScript. JavaScript, migrating their old backend application to a JavaScript one. If you think about it, those two companies can really learn a lot from each other. Flipkart, learning the backend side, and Walmart, the front-end and progressive web app side. In my opinion, it's less of a business decision and more of an aqua hire, but that's just me. Salamat, uh, Franz, for sending that in. And then Dave from Too Damn Sunny, Not Enough Rainy Los Angeles says, Hello, DTNS team. Wanted to bring up another potential target for Valve's Steam Leak apps, set-top boxes. For a lot of people, myself included, our best screen is not necessarily connected to our desktop computer, and hauling it into the living room just to play video games is more than a little impractical. But if I could launch the Steam Link app on my Fire TV and connect a couple of Bluetooth controllers, I can play Fortnite on my home theater setup without having to plant a dedicated desktop in my living room i can even attach a fire tv stick to a projector and have a game night in the backyard for me this is a much more exciting prospect than squeezing a desktop game onto a five to six inch screen with touch controls nice yeah i think a lot of people have been writing writing up that aspect of this today like hey you know apple tv could become a game machine for real uh with with thanks to valve that's interesting and thanks to justin robert young for joining us man Mm, well, thank you, Tom, for uh, having me on the show. Always a pleasure. But uh, if you would like to hear more on the political front, you can always go to my free political newsletter. Well, I know you're thinking, man, you're going to give me some crazy URL. No, I'm not. Freepoliticalnewsletter.com. That's where you got to go. You sign up for it. It's free. Uh, it's a political newsletter, and it comes to your inbox at uh, new, or sorry, midnight Eastern time around thereabouts five days a week so go ahead and check it out a lot of stuff happening it's a quick way to stay on top of it mostly links a little hot takery and some gifts mostly from the Chappelle show free political newsletter.com <laughs> uh you know justin is the master of short urls he made one for me because i'm trying to fund a sequel to my novel pilot x on ink shares and so you just got to go to tomsnewbook.com. Thanks to Justin. Just and, that easy, yeah. right? Tom's new book. And here's the greatest thing. Right now, uh, 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 Trigor is your new book. Eventually, you're going to have another new book. You're just going to switch that URL. Yeah. It's always going to be Tom's new book. Whatever Tom's new book is, you will always be able to either buy it or support it right there tomsnewbook.com Alright folks, thanks for supporting us on Patreon patreon.com slash DTNS uh, We've got brand new hats in the store as well as hoodies and shirts and all kinds of stuff at dailytechnewsshow.com slash store Stop what you're doing, pull to the side of the road and buy a hat right now, or not I mean, 
you might have somewhere to go, and that's cool. I'm, I'm okay with that. Our email address is feedback at dailytechnewsshow.com. We're live Monday through Friday, 4.30 p.m. Eastern, 2030 UTC. You can find out more at dailytechnewsshow.com slash live. Back tomorrow with Sarah Lane, Aaron Carson, and Len Peralta. Talk to you then. This show is part of the Frog Pants Network. Get more at frogpants.com. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs> hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. From a local business to a global corporation... Partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024.